go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. a huge microscope dangling over Duval at 6 o'clock on a Friday night. I mean, ask yourself. Do it. Where else would you rather be? Jacksonville on a Friday night, and it's a feel-good Friday, right? Turn the calendar, shred it, say goodbye to November. It's now December. I mean, It's nuts. We have 31 days that remain until 2024. Christmas in 25 days. Hanukkah right around the corner. We've got playoff football tonight, tomorrow night. Uh, Not technically, but I think you understand what I'm, I'm getting at. Winners advance, losers go home. Maybe the exception to the rule is Georgia, and I would uh, subscribe to that. Unless Bama was to blow them out, and I don't think that's going to happen. J.J. and I make our picks coming up in a little bit. You get a full Sunday to just kind of kick back, right? Enjoy everything that's on tap. And then Monday Night Football, 12 years in the making. You look at this game. I've looked at this game. It's so hard to make a case, a legitimate case for Cincinnati. They, They just cannot score points. Uh, They're the worst rushing team in the NFL. Jacksonville was fourth against the run. And, you know, those books can be cooked a little bit because Jacksonville has had leads. Other teams have been forced to try to play and and come from behind. And and that's such a cool feeling, right? I mean, I, I think seven out of the last eight Jaguar victories have come where Jacksonville has had a halftime lead, where Jacksonville has been up in double digits in many of these games. And and instead of, you know, flipping the switch and a year ago, Press Taylor called plays in the second half. And once again, you had to come from behind. Uh Uh-uh. This year, it's about maintaining. This year, it's about finishing, learning how to win, get a lead, keep the lead. And the last couple of weeks, even though statistically speaking, Jacksonville has not done a real good job running the football. They still have had 36 carries, and then last Sunday, 30 carries. So I love the balanced attack. I don't know if it's going to happen Monday night, and you know, I was thinking we'd get the final analysis today with the injury report, but everything is pushed back a day because of Monday night football. You know, limited again today for Travis Etienne and uh, certainly uh, Tyson Campbell and um, uh, what uh, Brenton Strange. Uh, was added uh, to the list. Uh, We won't know officially if anyone is announced as out until tomorrow afternoon because of the game coming up on Monday. So, you know, Cincinnati's lost three in a row, all right? They were in two of those three games. Um, They're actually plus 10 in the turnover ratio, which is just incredible. And you know that the Jags are such a good takeaway team, 27 a year ago, uh, 20 so far this year. But unfortunately, they've turned the ball over, so they're only at plus two right now. You really analyze the offensive numbers, and it 
It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up to a team that's 8-3. It doesn't add up to a team that's won these games comfortably. Again, nine regular season contests on the road if you go back to the final three last year. I'm not counting the postseason, the playoffs, the loss at Arrowhead. And, you know, the, the average per is something that that I, I would really like to see the Jaguars approve upon. You know, this is a a team that is maintained, and I, I believe I talked about this last night, but, you know, I'm really, um, you know, I'm, I'm really enthralled by this. The fact that a year ago this defense allowed 20.6 a game, they're allowing 20.5 a game this year. That's 28 games where you know what your defense is going to give you. That's a great feeling. I mean, you're not looking at ups and downs and peaks and valleys and West Coast, East Coast, you know, Monday night, Sunday night, in London. Here, No, no, it's, hey, they're giving up 20 and a half a game. In your offense, you say to them, can you give us 21? If so, you're going to win. And the offense is down a little bit. But what's great about this is if you need a side of the football to improve, it's all about this offense. It's all about Trevor Lawrence. It's all about Calvin Ridley, who we've now seen in consecutive weeks hit pay dirt. It's the return of Zay Jones, who's been used, you know, as far as targets, uh, not a lot in his first two games back. The consistency continues with Kirk and Engram. I, I think Travis Etienne, too much so far. Second in carries. I'd like to see that lesson. I don't know if it'll happen during Monday night because these guys want to show out on Monday night. And, and this is really cool around here. These Jaguar players have never played on Monday night. I talked to Dewan Smoot yesterday. He doesn't know what to expect. These guys have played big-time games in college where they've played under the lights. And, yes, they've played on Sunday night. They played on Thursday night. But, you know, Monday night football is a different animal. Then again, I don't know if it is what it once was. I mean, for those of you who are younger, look it up. There was a time where there was only Monday night football. You know, you didn't have Thursday night football. You didn't have Sunday night football. I know you youngsters out there, you're you're not aware of that, but the NFL is evolving as always. It's consistently going through changes. And, you know, I make these comments about the offense, and I look at ETN averaging 3.7 a carry. Then I look at the Ernest Johnson, who's gone consecutive weeks now with seven carries apiece, averaging 3.3 a carry. And Tank Bigsby, 2.4 a carry. He actually improved on that average by getting one tote last Sunday for six yards. And you look at it, and if you were to examine that, and what, 194 carries by ETN, 36 by Bigsby, 26 by Dearness Johnson. So, you know, you're talking about basically 250 carries by your three running backs with an average. Of what? 3.4? 3.5? You're thinking they're at 3 and 18, not 8 and 3. It's amazing. Or you would be like, okay, well, then they got to be throwing for 350 yards a game. Trevor Lawrence has what? 22, 24, 25 touchdowns? Uh, he's got 12. He's got 12 touchdowns in 11 games. So they've done enough to win, but the defense has been outstanding. The defense has created turnovers. The defense has forced three and outs. They've been really good on special teams, place kicking, 
hunting, uh, the returns. Certainly now you do miss Agnew a little bit, their coverage. And the numbers on offense leave you a little bit to be desired. But if you need to improve on one side of the ball, you have the potential to do it with this Jaguars offense. I mean, what's to say that Trevor Lawrence doesn't come out on Monday night football and throw for 300-plus yards and for the first time this year throws three touchdown passes or throws four touchdown passes? That's the point I'm getting at. If you're asking the defense to go from 20-and-a-half a a game down to 18-and-a-half or 17-and-a-half a a game, I I, I think that's – those expectations aren't aren't doable. They're, They're just not. But with this offense, can you get it up from 23 and a half? You know, last year was 24 and a half. You're down a point this year. Can you get it up three more points, four more points over the next six games? I think the answer to that question is yes. I think you have the opportunity to do that with this team. And that's very encouraging. I guess it's my way of saying the offense hasn't really clicked yet. And that's okay. You got a two-game lead in the AFC South. You're the number three seed with an opportunity to win it all and host. Okay, you got to take on Baltimore. These games on the road look incredibly winnable, right? Especially if Tennessee loses this weekend uh, to Indianapolis, which moved ahead of Houston into the wild card uh, situation. It's really setting up well. For the Jaguars here. So it's going to be a blast on Monday night. Looking forward to seeing you folks out there. Uh, This is great for Jaguar fans. It is. I, you know, I, we talk about the players. We cover the players and they come and go. That's the game. That's every game. That's every sport. They come and go. They come and go. I've, I've never done radio basing it on what I believe the players think about or what the players care about. No, it's always been about the fans. It's always been that way. And this one for you is absolutely fantastic. It could end up being one of the greatest nights of the 2023 calendar year if Jacksonville comes out, you know the crowd is going to be amped up, and they're able to score some touchdowns early and force Cincinnati to become a one-dimensional team with a backup quarterback. And I love Jacksonville's chances. Much more on that coming up, including some interviews that I have done with some Jaguar players, which I do want to get into. All right, Charlotte, North Carolina, the site of tomorrow night's Atlantic Coast Conference championship game. All sorts of stories are coming out of Charlotte. Uh, Tate Rodemaker. He's a game-time decision. And do we have Mike Norvell? Let's get to Mike first, and then I'll, I'll fill in uh, the blanks. But re- remember here, what's, what's really intriguing is if this was a normal week, if this was last week, we wouldn't know. If this was any one of the other weeks, we wouldn't be aware. I, I, I think Mike would have not answered the questions. Uh, but the fact that they've done more and more interviews in front of the Atlantic Coast Conference media contingency, who's there. They had yet another press conference on this Friday, and Mike Norvell was asked about his starting quarterback, Tate Rodemaker. 
Tate obviously had the uh, you had the big hit you know there in the in the fourth quarter. Um, you know we went over was able to uh, you know go through all of our sideline evaluations and was able to to pass that to be able to go back in the in the game for the uh, for the last play that he that uh, that we had uh, there offensively and then uh, you know, came in you came in Sunday uh, you know had a few symptoms of, of things that uh, um, you know we've started our process then and we've worked through it throughout the course of the week. Uh, you know, has been able to, to to practice you know throughout the, throughout the the week in, in limited in limited spots. Spots, but uh, you know that's going to be something that's going to go up to game day, and we'll uh, continue on with our our process of evaluation and uh, see where it goes from there. So that's Mike Norvell earlier this afternoon. Tate Rodemaker took the shot. I mean, it was it was a dirty play by by two Gator players and knocked him for a loop. Apparently, on the sideline in the blue tent, he passed the uh, tests that or the concussion protocol. Came back in after Brock Glenn took a couple of snaps. And showed up Sunday with some symptoms. My understanding is this. Brock Glenn has taken the first team reps this week. The team reps, 11 on 11, things along those lines. Tate Rodemaker has been involved in some individual drills. Has Tate Rodemaker been involved in any team drills? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. And if you notice, those who cover the team, they're not spilling this info. One of two reasons. Either they were kicked kicked out by the time they went through the team drills, or they've been threatened, okay? They have been outwardly told, you are not allowed to talk about injuries. If so, we will strip you of your credential. This will be the final time I'll tell the story at least this week. But when they came here in at the University of North Florida and practiced for two days, Jared Verse was on the sideline the entire practice. I asked Mike Norvell after practice. He came down on me and um, just ripped me. And then I had to hear from the team SID, why didn't you read the email? I said, I did read the email, Okay. I've been doing this for 30 years. I have never in my life heard of a head coach who talks to you after a practice or a game who won't answer a question about an injured player or, in this case, a player who just stood there on the sideline. So I found that out. Those who are on the beat, they're not going to test Mike Norvell. I'm actually really surprised that he answered the question today. Uh, at the media gathering, the way that he did, my belief has to be he was probably nervous that this story was going to leak from somewhere there, if if that makes any sense. The fact that, you know, the practice is going to be in Charlotte. It was in Charlotte today, and the walkthrough, uh, whatever it was, it, it wasn't in the, convi- uh, in the confines of the uh, indoor practice facility over in God's country. So where does that leave Florida State? Well, I'll tell you. Giving this a great deal of thinking uh, since it's been announced. I'm at the point now where I don't want Tate Rodemaker to be the quarterback. You needed him to prepare all week long. You needed him to practice all week long. You needed him to take first team Snaps. Every snap. Now, I've always been an every snap count guy. 
All right, I remember arguments with David Lamb way back when about Maurice Jones-Drew holding out and how he'll be ready for the regular season. And, you know, I can't – one of the issues, and, and Urban tried it a couple of years ago with Trevor and Minshew. One of the things that drives me crazy, and I imagine it drives you crazy as well, is in college football when they won't announce who the starting quarterback is. When there's a fierce battle going on the month of August. I'm like, screw that. Announce the quarterback and have them take first-team snaps. You need them. Tay Rodemaker hasn't taken them. The guy's got two starts, one this year and one going back, what, four years ago. Um, no, he's not mentally prepared. He's certainly not physically prepared. So what do you do? You go to an 18-year-old true freshman in Brock Glenn. Came in on his very first play. Some say he ran the wrong play when he came in where he passed it. It could have been. Could have been really dangerous. Could have been a pick six. I mean, who comes in first play like that and throws the football? That never happens. The whole world knows that he's going to hand the football off, right? The Trey Benson or whoever the back was to a field. I mean, that's what you do when you come in if someone's injured. Not Brock Glenn, man. He's back there spinning it. And he was zero for one against the University of Florida uh, as far as, you know, pass attempts and completions. Uh, he's in his career. He's two of four. For 35 yards. He's run it six times for 37 yards plus an 11 yard touchdown. Sacks count against yardage um, in college football. It's the exact opposite of what you see in the NFL. So we're not talking about a red shirt. We're not talking about a transfer portal. We're not talking about someone who was able to take advantage of an extra year because of COVID. We're talking about an 18-year-old freshman just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, six foot one and a half, 195 pounds. He has got an outstanding male porn star stash. Okay, I'm so jealous. I mean, he can pull it off at 18. I can't pull it off now over the age of 50. All right, so there's some jealousy there. But you have to go with him. That is who Florida State has to go with. And win or lose, you've got to go with Brock Glenn now, tomorrow night. That's my opinion, okay? As always, uh, you're entitled to your opinion, 6401-1010, on the text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You know, it, it just feels like... You know, and, and, and you know, I know Herbie and others, Dr. Herbie and Dr. Larry and Dr. Moe and Dr. Curley, they'll, they'll bring up how, you know, Cardell Jones came in, how Ohio State won with three quarterbacks. That was a different world. Ohio State still had five-star after five-star and four-star after four-star. This is a three-star team. That's what makes the 2023 Florida State Seminoles, arguably one of the most enjoyable teams that I've seen, and I think I'll feel more that way once I really get an opportunity to digest it during the offseason and maybe years down the road. It's not a talented team. It's a three-star team. It's a transfer portal team. It, it, I mean, I saw a list. Last week, 
that had Miami at like 62%, uh, Florida at like 60%, blue chips, four-star, five-stars. Florida State's under 50%. I don't know what the exact number is. Maybe some of you people out there are aware of it, but my guess is Florida State's in the 20s, maybe mid-20s, I don't know. Uh, when it comes to recruiting analysis in this class, four-star, five-star, and and three-star players. And, you know, they got another huge one today, another four-star DB. Mike Norvell is now going to start bringing in much more talent. If he can win the way he has this year with three-stars and transfers, it's scary to think about what Florida State could be like beginning next year and in 25 and in 26 once you start bringing in better quality talent okay but it feels like times run out doesn't it I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here I'm just being honest with you you know they they, they keep falling behind down 13 nothing down 12 nothing they're so good on defense but now all of a sudden you're down your top two quarterbacks can you really Expect that Florida State's going to win with a guy who's completed or two. He's completed two career passes. And, you know, Florida State hasn't been able to put away people. You know, the good old days, Florida State would put them away. So then you'd get an opportunity to see the second string and the third string quarterback. Florida State hasn't done that. They're the only team in America who's trailed by 10 points or more four times this year. And, of course, they came from behind and won all four of those games. So I, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm just kind of saying I think they've topped out. I think there are just you should have a phenomenal feeling about this team and the way that this team was coached. Because look at the guys who are going to the NFL. They're all transfer portal guys. You know, I mean, and, and there's very, you know, it's few and far between. You can go to Joshua Farmer and Patrick Payton and, and Kalen Deloach. I mean, it's, it's hard to find true Knowles who were recruited here, whether it was by uh, Norvell or, or, or Willie Tug. You understand what I'm getting? Uh, with this, and and again, that's that's going to change. So I just feel as though time is running out here. Uh, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm okay with it. Uh, to me, the ultimate was getting it done against Florida and going to 12-0 and zero and, and knocking off uh, the Gators. And, you know, the Gators – tried to do everything they could to, to ruin Florida State season. Maybe they did by knocking out Tate Rodemaker. I, I don't know. It was a filthy play. It was incredibly dirty. And frankly, there hasn't been enough talk about it. I, I would kind of expect that with this media in this town. You know, if it was the other way around, um, people would be screaming, you know, screaming for, for bloody murder here. But you don't hear it the other way, right? I mean, that's that's just that's the way it's going to be. So anyway, we'll see. I I'm hoping that Brock Glenn uh, is able to put together a decent game plan. It, you know, this is a run and stop the run type of game. Louisville 
is incredible against the run. Here are the numbers right here before we head to our first break. You look at Louisville. Total offense, they're actually 26. Florida State's 31st. Okay, Louisville gets six more yards a game. All right, that, that's a bath. But rushing yards, Louisville's 33rd in the nation. They give up 108, they, excuse me, run for 183 and a half yards. If they run for 183 and a half yards, it's going to be tough to knock off Louisville. Florida State runs for 156.2. Florida State's got home run ability. There have been times where Florida State looks just awful running the football, and they try the gimmicks and just keep feeding Benson. Sooner or later, he's going to break one, right? We've seen that four out of the last five games. Uh, Defensively, there is a big difference here. Florida State is 11th in the country. They allow only 16.8 points a game. Louisville is 24th. They only allow 20. Uh, I think a lot of folks have determined that Louisville has no chance because they were blown away by Kentucky in the second half where they allowed 31 points. You go back and look at those numbers, it's scary. Uh, can, you know, Louisville had a, 150 more yards uh, than uh, Kentucky did. It, the problem is they had three huge turnovers. They allowed a 100-yard kick return. And, you know, they... They just were in poor field positioning and, and ended up losing the game. That, that could end up being the major factor, once again, in this contest is, is turnovers when it's all said and done here between Florida State and Louisville. Florida State's number one in the nation in turnovers. They've only had five turnovers all year. Five in 12 games. Jordan Travis, two picks, three fumbles. That's it. Five. That is Incredible. They're going to have to protect the ball, obviously, tomorrow night against Louisville. All right. Uh, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by the good folks over at Shmunez Vision. I've been good friends with Dr. Neil Shmunez forever. And I tell you what, eight and a half years ago, he went in my right eye uh, surgically and removed uh, what was a cancerous, I don't know, um, whatever it was. He, he took it out of there. It was totally unexpected. It's uh, absolutely appreciated, and, you know, I go, I visit them two, three, four times a year, depending on, you know, if my eyes, if there's something crazy with my eyes, it could be something as simple as allergies, whatever, I, I, I call, make an appointment, I go in. I don't mess with my eyes, and I have a feeling a lot of you out there uh, do, um, regardless of its cataract, or if you have an issue with your cornea, or you have a double vision, or whatever it could be, uh, don't push this to the side, all right? You could be a candidate for laser eye surgery. It could be something as simple as new contacts, certainly a new prescription. It's incredible what they offer, and they're a family organization, and I absolutely love them, all right? They're so good and have been so good to me. I want you to get that same type of attention and feel the exact same way when you go there and when you're done uh, with them after your uh, meeting. So whether it's you, your kids, your grandparents, you can't afford not to visit Shmunez Vision. Check them out online, shmunezvision.com, or set up an appointment at 299-2906. Shmunez Vision Care, you can see. The Philly Roosters coming up at 645. Tim Brando joins us live at 7. 
I'm Rick Ballou along with JJ LaSalva. This is Into the Night. Love my girl. She looks Come on. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That's for sure. I don't care who you are. How healthy or whatnot, not one of us is getting out of here alive. Enjoy your Friday night in Duval. It only comes around. Four times a month, sometimes five times a month. Feeling it right now. This damn. Love this time of year. Everyone's got the Christmas lights up. My girlfriend's out of town, so she said she was going to put them up when she came back. I I know that that's what most men do, but I'm putting that in uh, in parentheses. The, the GF's out. Shouldn't I be rocking tonight? I mean, shouldn't I be out? JJ LaSalva, I mean, shouldn't we be looking for, you're happily married, you, you'll be heading home in an hour and some change, but. I'll be watching Oregon. Well, I am too. I'm going to watch that game. But I, I, I'm sure I can find a, a good tavern that will have that game on. I mean, I understand the way service is nowadays. You're probably going to have to ask someone to put that game on. You'll probably have to put it on yourself. This actually. isn't exactly a Pac-12 um, audience. It, it's funny. I went to this new place the other night. I'm uh, trying to remember what the situation was. Oh, oh, yeah. I was getting my beautiful uh, uh, key GMC Sierra uh, just updated, just getting it tuned over at John's Auto and some stuff like that. So uh, the GF picked me up, and we decided we'd check out this new place uh, to eat. And you walk in there. They got the NFL Network on. They got a Sunday game, a rematch, and then they had, a like, the Atlantic Coast Conference, champ, uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference channel on where they were playing a game from Saturday. And I'm like, well, it's a bad Monday night football game. I really don't care. But finally, you know, it's like the first quarter's over. And I'm like, yeah. Any chance you guys could put Monday night football on? I actually appreciate that they didn't have that game on. I respect that. That game, I didn't watch a second of it, and I'm so happy about it. It was the uh, first time in 50 years that there was not a touchdown. It, there was only one touchdown in the game, and that was from the losing team. The winning team did not score a touchdown. Yeah. But, hey, that um, all the power to you with, with that. I know, I, I know it's hard when you visit these restaurants, you, you visit these bars. And I kind of take that personally because back when I was at Docks in Tallahassee, that was long before there was satellite and direct TV, and you had to go on these old um, – satellite chips and and uh, galaxy and and some of these others and and really look hard uh to try to find these games but you know i think it makes a difference uh, oh yeah there there's nothing i hate worse than walking into a place that advertises itself as a sports bar establishment and they have like you said they'll just have like the nfl network on you know on a saturday afternoon or something like they don't really care at all they don't 
the manager obviously doesn't care. The owner doesn't care. And it's like, I, this is a sports bar, man. Have the game on. It doesn't take that much effort to just go to ESPN.com and see what's on and flip over to it. It takes no effort. But, I mean, honestly, nowadays after COVID, I ask for, I rarely ask for anything special at a bar or restaurant. Like, I'm just happy if I get exactly what I ordered. Yeah. And if I get it in any reasonable amount of time. It's hell out there. Like, the service industry sucks. You guys know who I'm talking. You guys suck. Get better. You've been terrible for four years, three years. Everywhere. Everywhere, man. It's the incompetency crisis in America is at an all-time high. It's not. It's like every service industry job. It's terrible. You guys, be better, please. If I had my say, and someday I'm going to run for office, if I had my say, I would make it a minimum of six months that every teenager has to be in the service industry to learn to be on the beck and call. And... Hey, it may be enough for you to go to school and work and work hard so you don't have to be in that industry anymore. Maybe as simple as that. Uh, you know, yeah, listen. but I've worked in the service industry, man. I know that these this is a it's not because they're but it used to be so much or something. They don't care. They, they don't care. And it's not like young people, <clears throat> it's everybody that works there. Everybody's on their phone. They're not seating you. Well, that's a big part they, of it. They don't care yeah. about you. They know that they can't. They can get fired. They can find another yeah. job tomorrow. Yeah. They they don't. There's zero pride and work ethic whatsoever at these places. Which, which which I don't get because if you work hard and you work on tips, people are going to pay you more. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. Like if you may, if you had a job that was reliant on tips. You would think you're bending over. You're trying to kiss my ass. You know, I was actually at Cimarron the other day, and I played around a golf, and the cart girl came up and, and did her best. She was selling us beers, and I worked that night, so obviously, well, I overdrank. <laughs> no, no I, I, you know, I stayed with the waters. But and, and, and they've done an incredible job at Cimarron, by the way, uh, particularly with the greens. But there's a lot of golf courses in town that I love to play, and it amazes me. How the cart girl will blow by you, look at you with like a thumbs up. Are you guys all right? And I'll just feel my buddies. How in the hell is this chick going to make money by saying to us, are you guys all right? No, 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 no. 60 miles an hour blowing past you. If you're a bartender or a cart girl, you should lie. Hey, you studs, you're the four best looking guys I've ever seen. I got specials here on Fireball. I got specials here on Miller. I mean, you would think that they would do it so they would get money. But I don't know. They just blow by with the thumb up. You guys are okay, right? I don't know. Enough is enough is enough is enough. Uh, Coming up next, he is the Philly Rooster. Let's go to Las Vegas. Let's check the money on the big games. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. All right, our guest is none other than the Philly Rooster, let's make our way to Las Vegas. Check the very latest. And um, Billy Rooster, always a pleasure. I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving. I did, Rick. I hope you did as well. Uh, uh, the F1 racing is cleared out of town, thank God. Traffic was absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, doing good. Um, 
boy, uh, the stuff coming out of Charlotte now is crazy. It looks like this line uh, could flip to end up favoring Louisville. We know that Jordan Travis is out. Now Tate Rodemaker. Don't know if he's going to be able to go tomorrow night. It could be an 18-year-old true freshman, Brock Glenn, under center for Florida State as they take on Louisville. Your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this one's an interesting one because uh, Florida State has better talent, as you know. They have the better roster. Um, the big drop-off was obviously from the starter to second string. This this true freshman, I, I watched that game. I'm sure you did as well. He seemed very calm, cool, and collected. Um, and that one play that he actually ran. Yeah, um, and and I don't think the talent drop off is that much between those two. So uh, I was talking to Philly Godfather earlier today, and I said if this game gets to a pick, I'm going to have to be on Florida State here. I I just think they're the better team. Uh, like I said, the talent drop off. Obviously, this game opened six and a half. Uh, probably would have went to seven if Florida State's quarterback didn't get hurt, and now. Uh, two and a half, okay. I was probably marginal, but at a pick, I like Florida State here, and I think it's going to get there. I think it, you know, sixty percent of the bets and seventy percent of the money are on Louisville for good reason. You know, you lose your quarterback, obviously that's huge, but um, I think at a pick or better, I'm on Florida State here. Give me Florida State at a pick. Hope you're right, boy. The one thing I'm trying to overlook though is uh, is rushing yards. I mean, Louisville's got two really good backs. And Florida State allows 140.2 yards a game on the ground. On the flip side, Louisville does a real good job in the ditch. They're 11th in the nation. They don't even allow 100 yards a game. They're at 96.8. You got to believe Mike Norvell right now is saying to Trey Benson and and Toa Feely and that offensive line, "Hey, we got an 18-year-old true freshman. We have to run the ball to beat Louisville." Yeah, and that's another interesting point here because. I'm surprised the total isn't moving with the side. One thing I always did, and I learned this, I've been betting since 1982. As soon as a star player, uh, offensive player gets hurt, everybody rushed to bet the other side. I always rushed to bet the under. And I was surprised that this total didn't drop more. Now, it was 47 and a half earlier today. It was down to 47, 46 and a half, but... I lean under here for that reason because you're right. The offense is going to be way trimmed down, a lot of running, and that clock is going to keep running. How about rematches in college football? What are your thoughts there? We're getting ready for tonight's game. Uh, the line's seriously all over Oregon here against UW. Your thoughts? Okay, this game's crazy. I- I've never seen this in all my years of betting. Washington was a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Oregon and one by three. They did their job. Now we're at a neutral site. Obviously, there's going to be some more Oregon fans. They travel well. But this line moved 13 and a half points. I have never seen anything like this. And the crazy part is the bookmakers did their job. I talked to a couple books in Vegas today. Only 52% of the bets and 42% of the money is on Oregon. They are evened out on this game. Hmm. I think this lane is this line is ludicrous. Give me Washington plus the ten. This game should be seven. It's my biggest bet of the week. That's coming up tonight, right there in Las Vegas. Philly Rooster, give us your information, uh, the show, and how our listeners can get a hold of you. 
uh, at Philly Rooster um, on Twitter. I give about a lot of free plays, especially with the college basketball season really getting fired up here soon. And then uh, the sports betting show every Thursday nights on Sirius XM channel 192. Uh, it airs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for both college football and the NFL. Got one more college game. That's the SEC championship coming up on Saturday afternoon. Alabama, Georgia. How do you see it? Yeah, this game up in four and a half, fifty-seven and a half, uh, sitting five and a half, some fives, fifty-four and a half. Total dropped a little bit. Sixty-five percent of the bets and sixty-seven percent of the money out here at Caesar Sportsbook according to uh, my good friend Billy, who runs it over there, are on Georgia. And um, all the square money is on Georgia here, and all the short money is on Alabama. Uh, this this is going to be about a 50-50 crowd. Everybody thinks it's going to be very heavy Georgia. Alabama is one of the best traveling teams in the country. Give me the five and a half points here. I bet it early in the week. Uh, kind of dropped a little bit. Like I said, the short money's on Alabama. But I'm on Alabama. Another big bet for me. All right. Five and a half taking uh, Alabama here, getting points uh, against Georgia. Of course, that game will be in Atlanta. We have one. And, NF- and as a bonus, Rick, yeah. if Alabama wins, this playoff scenario gets very interesting. It gets incredibly interesting. I mean, I'm sure you've <laughs> looked ahead. Have you seen the Florida State, Georgia, the Florida State, Michigan lines? They're like 15 and I a half. Have- yeah, they're going to be huge, and it's crazy. If Florida State wins and Alabama wins, what do you do with Texas? I just can't see. I can't wait to see what this committee does because there's so many variables if a couple of these crazy teams win, including Washington, mm-hmm. who I think will get pummeled in game one as well. Yeah, going to be no doubt about it. Going to be incredible to see what does take place. It begins tonight with UW. And Oregon. All right, one NFL game. That is Monday night. It's been a long time coming. It's been 12 years for the Jaguars. The Bengals have lost three straight. Jacksonville, heavy favorite here against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, this game opened seven and a half and 41. It's up to eight and a half, 38 and a half. Uh, Jacksonville is eight and three against the spread. Cincinnati's four and seven against the spread. Uh, 81% of the bets and 62% of the money on Jacksonville. Basically, everybody is betting Jacksonville. When you look at those against the spread uh, numbers, you would say, okay, Jacksonville's got to regress and Cincinnati has got to improve because we all know at the end of the year they're going to be about equal. But let me tell you something. Joe Burrow is Peyton Manning. Joe Burrow is Andrew Luck. This guy is the whole team. If Patrick Mahomes went out, they would still be competitive in Kansas City. Obviously not for a Super Bowl, but they would still be competitive. And I feel the same way even about Trevor Lawrence. But with Cincinnati, the whole team is borrowed. Give me Jacksonville. I laid seven minus 20. I laid eight. I'll probably lay eight and a half by game time. I think this game's going to close 10. Easy win for Jacksonville this Monday. All right. There you have it. The very latest from the Philly Rooster. Once again, all your information out there for our listeners. At Philly Rooster, watch the betting show Thursday. It's a lot of fun. It's really funny. We have a great time. Uh, Watch it on uh, YouTube, on Philly Godfather's uh, uh, Twitter page. And, uh, yeah, the phillygodfather.com for premium moves. Best of luck with all your plays, Philly Rooster. 
Thanks, Rick. Talk to you next week. There he goes. Philly Rooster live from Vegas. What tonight's game is between UW and Oregon. That's fascinating. UW getting 10 points. It's uh, it's really – and a lot of people think that you know, as a Heisman Trophy voter, a lot of people think the Heisman Trophy's already been delivered uh, to Bo Nix. Uh, I, I don't feel that way as a voter. And, you know, I today I registered – I. And I guess some people have already turned in their vote. How could you turn in your vote? I mean, how could you turn in your vote before the games this weekend? It's, it's, it's amazing. Tim Brando, ladies and gentlemen, he is next with Fox Sports. Let's get things started in the 7 o'clock hour, our conversation weekly. It's Baloo and Brando. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. How great is our buddy Tim Brando? He's actually watching Wisconsin Marquette. They are practicing. It is college basketball season as well. Dick Bennett, Bo Ryan, the list goes on and on and on. With Greg Card, is it the same thing, Timmy B? Uh, if Wisconsin gets to 40, they win by 10? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite that. They, yeah. uh, they started moving it around a little bit more under uh under Bo and of course uh Greg came up uh as an assistant under Bo. Th- this will be a fun game because you know Tyler Kolick is an incredible guard. Uh plays like a European guard, really moves the ball around, great passer, great shooter, leader, and they got some outstanding stars to go along with him, including Iguadaro uh inside. Marquette's number three in the country and considered I think a final four team potentially and, and Wisconsin's trying to bounce back from for them a, a tough year but they've added some pieces through the transfer portal Rick that I think will really help them and they've gotten healthy they just came to Fort Myers and won that tournament uh, took down Virginia and SMU uh, in Fort Myers in that Thanksgiving holiday gathering that they had and you know this week they're going to play this game then they go to Michigan State for a conference game midweek and then next saturday they play at arizona at the McHale center another mm. uh, potentially final 14 so uh it's a, a critical three game stretch that they have and we started tomorrow on fox at 12 30 eastern so right before the mountain west and the big 10 title games on fox it'll be raft and yours truly back at it again covering some round ball onions yeah. Onions, Bill. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, hope, let's hope the iron is kind. Uh, the, <laughs> the iron is kind. <laughs> yeah, the Cole Center tomorrow, downtown Madison. What a, what a great in-state rivalry. I love Indeed. going to Mil- Milwaukee as well where Marquette is located. It's uh, it, it truly is beautiful. Maybe not this time of year. It's starting to get a little cold. But, uh, of course, <laughs> yeah. you'll be inside. Should be a heck of a game. Wisconsin playing host, the third-ranked Marquette. That's at 12.30 tomorrow on Fox, uh, Timmy B with uh, Billy Raftery. All right, let's get to um, the big story now coming out of Charlotte. Florida State could be going to their third-string quarterback, Tate Rodemaker, not completely out of the concussion protocol. Mm. So you're talking about a true freshman here, Brock Glenn, an 18-year-old with four career passes, possibly the guy tomorrow night for Mike Norvell. Wow, wow. Well, we'll find out uh, just how well of a, you know, how good of a system Mike has in play because that's what it's going to take when you're to a, you know, to that level in the most critical game of your season. I mean, it's been, 
uh, a whale of a year, no matter what the outcome. You've seen that line move. I know what is it a point, point and a half, yeah, something like that, and and that's the reason for it, I'm sure. But but Rick, you know this. Uh, great great teams always find a way, and and Norvell, I think, has had a great season uh, and a great play calling year. You know that, that's that's Mike's uh, that's Mike's forte is is that of a play caller. He's a better coach when he's calling his plays. I think he figured that out. And now he's going to have to, you know, probably simplify and rely on the guys to manage the game and then hope that the defense can do, you know, what it did against Florida last week. I thought that was, you know, primarily the job that they had to pull off last week. And they had patience. You know, they, they, did, not, um, they did not panic when they were down late in that game with Florida. Uh, I, I thought the Gators had a great chance. I think I told you I thought they would win. Uh, so it was a hell of a win, in my opinion, for the Florida State last week. They got to do it again. Louisville is going to be pissed off. You know, they just lost to, in their minds, a middle tier team that happens to be their rival in the SEC. And Jeff Brom's a hell of a coach. Uh, you know, he's going to have his guys ready to go. No doubt about, about that. So, uh, like that's listen, it's got upset alert written all over. Oh yeah, and I know, I know you don't want to hear that, <laughs> and a lot of other Florida State fans don't want to hear it. But if you do win it, uh, and, and Rodemaker can get well, listen, you're 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 a Final Four team. They're not gonna uh, the, the committee is not gonna say no to a thirteen and zero Power Five team that owns a victory non conference over an LSU team that's a top fifteen win, and that still is a top fifteen win. So uh, it's all right there in front of you. You just got to go out and get it. Yeah. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, Jack Plummer, man, even back to his days at Purdue with Brom, you know, he's making his 46th career start. Look at Brock Glenn. He's got four career college passes. So that's what's at stake. And, and, you know, and, and the simple remedy should be for Florida State, run the football. Well, the problem is Louisville is one of the best in the country in defending the run. They're 11th right right. now in college football. And on the flip side, they also do a real good job with time of possession because they have two backs that they can lean on. That's their bread and butter offensively. So, you know, Louisville is going to try to shorten this football game. No question. Um, You know, and and I think a lot of times offensive-minded coaches don't get credit when they have quality defenses. Jeff Brom has a quality defense, and and he is an offensive-minded coach, but he's a tough guy. You know, he's a quarterback that played with attitude and was tough, even in his days uh, in the original XFL. That's the way he played uh, the game uh, as a player, and that toughness just was not uh, exhibited in the game with Kentucky. They they came out lackadaisical, uh, like they were going to just take care of business against Kentucky, and they were taught a lesson. That's that's the X factor for me in this game is Florida State. Is Florida State aware of how motivated Louisville is? Because they better be. Okay, It's not just about where Louisville finished and where Florida State finished. This is about Florida State just uh, is going to be playing a team that got embarrassed the week before in an in-state rivalry game. So mindset uh, is going to be, you know, in my mind, 70% of this game. Uh, mm. You know, how – how are they between the years, Florida State, in understanding what they're dealing with? Yeah, they better be serious about it. And and maybe because listen, let's not discount the Florida State defense. They can make plays too. 
you know, they've got some they got some guys that are playmakers on that side of the ball. We'll see. They certainly stood up to it. Uh, I felt well against Florida when they fell behind and and managed to allow their offense to have a chance to get cracking and make some things happen late in that game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they wouldn't allow a touchdown if it wasn't for that awful call on the uh, yeah. I don't know what, roughing the pass on a sack. Uh, go figure. Uh, Tim Brando, our guest, joining us live from Madison, Wisconsin. He's got a great one tomorrow with Bill Raftery. That'll be at 1230 on Fox. Third-ranked Marquette visiting the Wisconsin Badgers. All right, you did the Pac-12 all year, and here we go. Game two tonight, UW in Oregon. How is the University of Washington a 10-point underdog? (laughs) Well, a couple of things. Uh, it's a little bit smellacious, the betting line. I think part of the reason why the line's where it is uh, is because the game is in Vegas. Don't you think? I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think the other factor here is the revenge factor that they believe Dan Lanning uh, and Oregon has in terms of motivation, that they pissed that game away, shouldn't have lost it when they played before, and they played it at UW and, and really outplayed Washington. I think that's what uh, you know, Vegas is trying to remind everybody. And and whether Washington responds or, uh, and reacts to that is, is anybody's guess. Washington's got, without question, the best receiving core uh, in the country on one team. Uh, those three guys, uh, led by Odunze are, and McMillan, those are, those are incredibly talented guys. They're all going to play on Sundays. And Penix has a magnificent arm that can make plays whenever a big one is needed. Uh, just look at the Oregon State game uh, in bad weather, how they took that game over in the second half when Penix knew that his guys would make plays. 50-50 balls are always like 70-30 or 80-20 balls when, when you're dealing with those three receivers. Um, you got two of the best coaches going at it. In my opinion, this is going to be the best of the championship games. And in my opinion, the winner of this game is definitely going to go into the field of four. And I would predict right now, if Michigan does not win the national championship, Oregon, if they get there, will. Mm. I don't think a team is playing any better than Oregon. And I don't think a team has played any better than Oregon over the last month. You know, I had them at home late against USC. I think they were the team that really dealt uh, USC their their final uh epitaph really for their season caleb williams's usc career was basically null and void after they got done in that game in eugene at Alston stadium yeah um that defense bullied usc's offensive front and had caleb running for his life and and i don't think they've taken the pedal off the metal since that time oregon's defense is stout they're stout against the run they also have a tremendous ability you know with the pass rush and I suspect that they will have uh, their way uh, from a defensive standpoint against Washington's offensive front. I think that's the reason for the spread, frankly, is that uh, the offensive and defensive lines at the line of scrimmage of late for Oregon have looked like SEC line of scrimmage teams over the last decade. And uh, a lot of fans, a lot of fans don't like hearing that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, just because you haven't seen them or they're not in your time zone doesn't mean that they don't have 
that kind of ability, and they really, really do. Hey, listen, Jacksonville loves UW and Oregon. I, I just got a text. Someone asking me if the game is actually on TV in this market. <laughs> yes, I believe I believe Herbie and Chris have that game. All right, uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap with a game that they do know is on. That'll be tomorrow. That is Georgia, a 29-game win streak in Alabama. Yeah. Timmy B., your thoughts? Well, I think, without a doubt, Georgia is the better team. And without a doubt, Georgia's got the most at stake, which means, uh, you know, some tightness could grip them, okay, with, you know, this kind of streak and this kind of influence and impact on the history of the game. You know, uh, I don't believe that this is a passing of the baton crap. I think that narrative is way overdone this week. Nick Saban hasn't lost his fastball, but I tell you what he has lost, and that is uh, a dominating feel for winning big games. Georgia has won the biggest games of late. And to win three straight, which the potential is there for them to do, provided they win this game, that's something Nick, even the great Nick Saban, could not do. He could not perform a three-piece. Georgia can't either if they don't beat Alabama tomorrow. Now, Carson Beck has developed, I think, into a premier passer over the last month. His receivers have gotten healthy. McConkie and company are back. Bowers, after being injured and not playing last week, is going to be back. And I think he's a, an X factor in the game. Um, you know, if, if Alabama loses this game, Nick Saban's stature uh, on Mount Rushmore doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But if he loses this game, Kirby Smart can become known really as the best coach in college football today. Not the best college football uh, coach in America, period, but the best co- college coach of this moment in time yeah. in the game right. when you start talking about winning three in a row. So it's those kinds of things on the periphery that make this game uh, so interesting to watch. It's the, uh, it's the issues emotionally uh, and the intrigue historically that makes the game so important. I don't think it will be played on the same level that the Oregon-Washington game will be played tonight. I think they're there could be some sloppiness. There could be some turnovers. Uh, the emotions are going to be running so high uh, in this game. I think you could see big plays or big moments determined by mistakes that are made in the game. Because these players don't live in a vacuum. They know uh, what's at stake historically in a conference like the SEC with two dominant programs of, um, of this generation, like Georgia and Alabama, playing. But I can't unsee what happened in that Texas game in mm-hmm. Week 2. And if uh, Alabama happens to win the game, Rick, I'm sorry. The narrative that uh, Alabama must go if they beat number one Georgia, no, they don't, must go. Texas, if they hold serve and they win that game against Oklahoma State as a win over Alabama, that no one on that committee can unsee any more than I can. Texas is going to go over Alabama, period, end of story. The only way that Alabama can get in is if Louisville beats Florida State uh, and Texas loses to Oklahoma State. That's it. That's their only path <laughs> into the college football playoffs. So an Alabama win means the SEC is left out entirely. Does Brother Bino agree with this? Unbelievable. Brando, I can't believe you've said that. Unbelievable. The SEC, for quiet out loud, you've got to be kidding me. Well, no, I'm not, Bean. <laughs> we, <laughs> we thought it would come to this, and, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, it has. Uh, college football's been too balanced. 
Uh, it's a shame the committee faces this uh, car wreck, but that's what it is. We should have gone to 12 teams Thank this you. year, Thank and you. we should be at 16 teams next year. Thank you. But we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to wait for that to take place. We're gonna have, yeah, we're to, wait. Gonna have to wait. Yeah. All right. Uh, do, do we have a fly in the ointment game tomorrow? Yeah, um, I believe. Uh, don't don't we have a Mountain West championship? I believe we do. You trying um, to tell me friend? Toledo against Miami of Ohio is on no, top at high noon? No, no. <laughs> I believe the Mountain West title game. Uh, oh, that's the Mac. Your, uh, I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, yeah. You were talking Mac. I'm talking the Mountain Jason West Benetti, Brock Heward game. Right. Uh, that's the title game that uh, that uh, Spencer and I had last year, and uh, Brock and and Jason have it this year. That that game is going to be, I think, a, a really fun watch. And you know, that league by and large, I think, has been uh, probably outside of the Sun Belt, uh, the next best league among the. Uh, the non-power fives. Who do you have in that game? Who do you like in the Mountain West title game? I'm going to take Boise State tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, the the Blue Field guys. Well, yeah. I'm going the opposite. I'm going the opposite. You're going Vegas. So, I'm going Vegas. I think uh, I think uh, the running Rebs are going to be running, and I, I think Boise um, will be well-supported, but I, I like UNLV. I'm going to go with the home team. Yeah, we'll see, and that game will immediately follow uh, Tim Brando yep. and his call. At uh, on Fox at twelve thirty, you're uh, flying in the ointment. Go with Vegas. Yes, when it stays in Vegas. Go with Vegas, and you're flying the ointment game. No doubt about <laughs> it. Timmy B, always a lot of fun. What a what a great year this was. It went by way too fast, but your second season is officially underway with college basketball tomorrow in Madison, Wisconsin. It's the Badgers against third ranked Marquette. Always a pleasure, and uh, look forward to doing it again real soon. You got it. My liver is going to be on trial after this Marquette practice, and then I'm going to watch the second half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm with I'm with Raph, so I've got to survive the night. But Uh-oh. I think I will, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, Tim. You got it. There All he done. goes. Tim Brando, along with uh, Onions, Bill Raftery in Wisconsin. It's a little early for hoops for me. Get to me around March. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, actually, I'm not. But uh, Brando loves it. Brando's one of the few guys I know who he loves college basketball as much as he loves college football. It, it, it's rare. You know, most college basketball lovers can kind of do away with college football. And, and there are so many college football members of the media who care very, very little about college basketball. It's, it, it's hard to find uh, the combination, but certainly that is the case uh, right there. I really have no feel at all for this game between UNLV and Boise State. I'll be honest with you. I really have very little feel for Miami of Ohio uh, against Toledo. I'm a little bit more of a uh, meat eater here, steak and potatoes. I, uh, I like the Blue Bloods. I like the Power Five. You know, all five of these major games – that are going to be played beginning tonight and tomorrow are going to be incredibly intriguing. Can Iowa score? Can they even score a touchdown against Michigan? I mean, again, you just look at the Wolverines. I know we got to head to a break here, but, you know, we talked about how they were giving up less than seven points a game. Maryland got sideways on them a little bit with 24, and then Ohio State last week put up 24. But they only allowed double digits 
Three other times all year, they allowed 10 points at Minnesota in a 52-10 win. They allowed 13 points against Purdue when they knocked off the Boilmakers uh, 41-13. And at Penn State, they won 24-15. We remember that game where they ran it 60-some-odd times and passed it, what, six times? So I think it's an honest question here for Iowa. Can they even score a touchdown? against Michigan. All right, your thoughts on the other side, 641-1010. Much more on college football. I do want to um, at least play the interview I did with Dearness Johnson because I think his importance to the Jaguars football team is becoming more and more week to week. Okay, he's starting to get some play. He's waited his turn. Spent a couple of minutes with him in the locker room yesterday. We'll play that on the other side. We'll give you the very latest on the Jaguars. But if you want to continue with your thoughts, 641-1010 on our text line. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Joe Flacco is going to get the start against the Rams on Sunday for Cleveland. Former Brown, Dearness Johnson's one minute away. It looks like Flacco will be the guy that will face the Jaguars one week from Sunday. Uh, This is awesome. Uh, We got a lot of response on our our take on uh, the service industry. JJ and I may have been a little hard, but I I, I do think, and I won't speak for JJ, uh, there was some hyperbole there, right? We were having a little bit of fun with it. I'm a former bartender. I took a lot of pride in my work, and I, I don't see it now. But this man, um, 2603, I'm assuming it's a man. could be a woman. He says, uh, and I, this is exactly what he said, so you are grouping all service industry workers together, period. Do better, really. How about you do better than costing your station Listeners with your garbage stereotypes, you literally both should be reprimanded for tarnishing an otherwise fine station with your insults. Oh, I assume that was Shame a woman. Obviously. Are you really that bothered by that? I mean, honestly, you're the only one. We got tons and tons of uh, people th- agreeing with the cart girl stories. Agreeing that when they go in the bars and restaurants, games aren't up, the managers don't care, they aren't aware. I mean, this is a common issue, a common problem today. And you're that offended as a group? It's, you're a big part of the problem. You are. I mean, if you're a bartender and someone asks you to put on a game and you're in a bad mood, what do you do? You quit? I know bartenders who make really good money, who work hard at it. I'm friends with quite a few managers of restaurants. I play golf with one every week. He works really hard to make sure. But that's not all over the place. This has become a a, a common problem. You're the problem, not me. I'm speaking for the people here to say, do a better job. Treat people the way that they should be treated, and you'll make money. Guys like me tip a ton. As a matter of fact, the 2603, I bet I tip more than you make. 
okay? Do a better job. And I won't criticize. I was a bartender. I was offered many jobs in many fields because of my work ethic. Okay, very, many, many, ty- I mean, you wouldn't even believe some of the stuff that I was at. Why? Because people noticed that I worked hard. People noticed that I was friendly, okay? A friendly bartender is going to make a ton of money. Some bars I go to, there's some very good bartenders. Some places I go to, it just sucks. It's terrible. And I think you should have a little bit more pride. That's it. Man, it seems to me like you're a miserable human being. 2603. Why don't you fire one off to my boss and tell him that I should be reprimanded for the stereotype of service workers? Okay? That, that's really going to go over well. All right, Jackson, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, that was good enough for me. I mean, I know people get offended with everything, but you're trying to tell me that the this individual, the service industry as a whole is what we talked about here. Is that bothered by it? When you're wrong, you, you're the people who need to get better. And if you see that you're one of the good ones, then you should recognize it more than anyone else. You're telling me to get better at my job, okay? I, I you know brought down this radio station with a garbage stereotype. I got people all the time who tell me to do better, to do this, to not to say that, to you're too hard on this. You're, you, I, I accept it all the time. So when you walk into a place and you got a clown dude behind the bar or a clown woman behind the bar or you're on a golf course and the woman barrels by you, <laughs> giving you a thumbs up, saying, you guys good? When we're not good, we, we need another six-pack of Miller Lite, and we need shots, and we're going to tip you that I shouldn't be allowed to say that so that they get better? That was up with Graham last night. He was telling me you went through a drive through the other day. Did you hear that story? I heard it. Okay. They were so bad in the service industry at a drive through chain that he collected his food, they were having a conversation, yapping it up. They didn't even charge him. He just drove Tell right. Me took off. He just drove right off. I mean, how do you not know how to charge someone for fast food? Because they don't care. Well, guess what? They care about the criticism, and we were giving it, for the most part, tongue-in-cheek with a little bit of I sincerity. I didn't literally mean every single person, bro, but... uh. It's right. just called generalizing. It's what we do as humans please, and deal please. with it. Sen- if, if I get fired, it's because I offended the entire <laughs> service industry. My gosh, 2603. Grow yourself a freaking backbone. All right, let's get to Dernish Johnson. He's been getting a lot of play as of late. Caught up with him yesterday in the Jaguars locker room. Here with Dearness Johnson. Um, last couple of weeks, man, getting getting a lot of burn, man. Nine carries apiece, last two games. You know, what's what's it like uh, to get involved here and everything? Yeah, it's, it's a blessing, man. Just going out there, just being able to help, help out the team and just going out there, just trying to do my best. Your mindset when you had to wait, you know, for this opportunity, uh, you had a really good training camp, but just everything that you've gone through, how hard is that as a veteran? 
I mean, it, it, it's definitely hard, but, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been in the league for five years, so I'm behind guys like Nick Chubb and Kareem and, you know, just being patient and, like, when numbers call you out, you always got to be ready. So that's been my mindset this whole time, just staying, you know, focused, just doing all the little things right, and uh, whenever my opportunities get called, and, you know, just trying to make the most of it. Coming up huge as well, obviously, in the past game. Uh, what's it like when you know your number's called for a situation like that? What was that last route? Was it actually – you know, a last opportunity for Trevor. Uh, which uh, which one? The forty-two yarder. Oh, it was a, it was a screen play. I set up a screen. Play. I should have scored on it, but uh, not as a screen play call. And you know, my number's calling, and I just try to go out there and execute the most. So that was the call. Yeah, that was the call. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Monday night football. I'm trying to remember if you had any yeah. uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, if so, what's it like, and what do you believe it's going to be like coming up here on Monday? Yeah, I had a couple of them back in Cleveland, but uh, no, it's great atmosphere. You know, you're on the game on TV and uh, everybody watching, so it's going to be a great atmosphere. You know, it's a blackout game, and you're just trying to go out there and, and show the world what you can do and what this team capable of doing. You know, that's our mindset. Very familiar with Cincinnati since you were in the division. They're, they're really beaten up. Do you sense that they're a desperate team here now on the road? No, they're def- definitely desperate. I mean, uh, everybody want to win mm-hmm. so uh we just gotta come in and do our job you know cincinnati they got a great defense you know two good uh, edge rushers and uh a good uh, linebacker from both two good linebackers so you know they're gonna come in ready to play so we just gotta go out there and just execute our assignment and, and take them off at a time and you know, try to come out with a dub the good is an extra day's rest the bad is it'll be a short week when you go back to cleveland uh, a week from sunday any changes preparation wise for you this week uh, no i just I mean just uh just doing the same thing i usually do to take care of my body make sure i get in the cold tub stay in the training room and just do all the little things i've been doing appreciate your time thank you appreciate it all right, it's Dearness Johnson. I actually made a mistake. I said nine carries. He's had seven carries in the last couple of games, one reception. Do better, Baloo. For crying out loud, you deserve to be criticized. Do better. Our picks are next. Well, we got 10 ball games on tap this weekend. Uh, Rick Baloo, 76 and 44 after a 10 and 0 week. Oh, ho. JJ went eight and two. He is at seventy and fifty. So here we go. Five in college, five in pro. Oregon, Washington, Friday night game in Vegas. I will take the Ducks. Yeah, Oregon here for me as well. Alabama and Georgia. I'm gonna go with the Tide in this one. I I, I think that uh, they'll win. I don't know if it'll be big. I think both teams end up making it to the college football playoff. I'm going with the Tide. Wow. I'm going to take Georgia uh, to win their 30th football game in a row. Texas at Oklahoma State. Boy, Oklahoma State really fooled around last week uh, with BYU. I, I, I just think Texas feels as though they got a lot to prove here. I'm going to take the Longhorns. Yeah, Texas huge win last week, although I did see a dead Longhorn showed up on the front lawn of one of the fraternities at Oklahoma State. Made me think about picking them, but I'm taking the Longhorn. Mm, okay. Michigan at Iowa. You are up. Michigan. Yeah. I hope Iowa scores to make it, you know, maybe close in the first half for a little bit, but Michigan big here. Louisville, Florida State. Listen, I, I – um... I'm assuming you're picking Michigan. You didn't say anything. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, my, my bad. I am taking Michigan. Do better. Do better, <laughs> Um Louisville, Florida State. I, I, I really I really have no clue with, with, with Brock Glenn 
if he is going to be your quarterback. And, and certainly Louisville's angry after allowing 31 points in the second half. Here's the deal. I mean, who cares? Why would I possibly pick Louisville? I've picked Florida State to win 11 out of 12 games this year. My only miss was at Clemson. I picked them every other time. I'm going to pick them here in a what will be virtually a pick them game by tomorrow night. How about you? I'm going to go with Jeff Brom and his offense against either quarterback. I, it doesn't matter to me. I was going to pick Louisville even before the Rodemaker news today. I think Louisville's offense, I love it. I, I love the way they played against Miami. I know they slipped up with some turnovers last week, but I don't think Florida State's going to be able to go score for score with them. Yeah, they got a really good offense when it comes to running the football. Again, you look at it right here. Uh, when it comes to running the ball, 183.5 yards a game. And defensively, again, they're stout. They allow just 96 yards a game against the run. So if it's a run-stop-the-run game, on paper, it certainly looks like Louisville over Florida State. I'll take the Knowles. JJ's taking the Cardinals. Five games in the NFL. Let's begin with a divisional matchup. Man, the Colts and Titans. This is a tough one. You're up. Where is this? This is in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll take the home team for that reason alone. Yeah, I'm going to go with the roadie here. I'm going to take... Um, Minshew. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take... Um, Gardner Minshew and company to win this one on the road. Uh, we I mean, will they're say. in playoff contention right now. They're 6-5. and five. Yeah. I and mean, take all these road teams. Crazy. I'm going to take another road team. I, I believe I'm up. I am. I'm, I'll take Detroit in New Orleans. Yeah, I like the Lions here and a bounce back after the loss on Thanksgiving. 49ers-Eagles. I'm going to go with the away team. I'm going with the Niners. I don't know if they'll cover all three, but I like them to win. I think the Eagles are a little overrated. I, I guess I'm going to do the same here. I mean, I, I've i been told now, I called this out earlier in the week. I was like, the wrong team's favored, and everyone's getting back to me saying the Eagles defense is gassed. They played a ton of snaps last week. So mm. I guess I'll go with what many believe is the best team right now in the NFL. That is San Francisco. Here's a tough one. Denver's won five in a row. All right, Houston at home. I'm going to take the home team here. I think the five-game win streak comes to an end. I I actually really like the Broncos in this spot. I think they're the hottest team in the NFL, obviously, right now. Yeah, I'm going with Denver. And let's wrap it up with you, JJ. Cincinnati visits Jacksonville. Easy one. Jags big at home against the backup. I'm with you. I think they win and cover. So there you go. Picks are in. Uh, we both like uh, Oregon. JJ's taking Bama. I'm taking Georgia. We Ooh. both like Texas. We both like Michigan. JJ's taking Louisville. I'm taking Florida State. Uh, divisional matchup in the South. I'll take the visiting Colts. JJ likes the Titans. I'll take Detroit along with JJ in New Orleans. We both like San Fran and Philly. I'll take Houston at home. JJ will take the Denver Broncos, who are the visitors, and we both like the Jags. Monday night. Season stats. Baloo, 76 and 44. JJ is 70 and 50. Now, today's takeaways. Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, my final takeaway is this. It is about the Florida State signal caller. And things are a little fuzzy. They're a little cloudy. We don't know for sure how much Tate Rodemaker uh, practiced with the first team. He did some individual drills. My understanding is that Brock Glenn 
took most snaps with the first team? Did he take all of the snaps with the first team? I, I don't know the answer to that question. It's not for the lack of trying. I just don't know. But here's where I'm at. I think you got to go with the 18-year-old freshman. I think you have to go with Brock Glenn. Tate Rodemaker needed every snap this week. He needed each and every practice rep with that first team to get himself mentally and physically ready, uh, ready against Louisville. I mean, you just can't say to a guy who's been in the concussion protocol and perhaps only taking some individual drills, he's been incredibly limited, and then dress him up and ask him to go out tomorrow night and win the Atlantic Coast Conference championship game. Um, it, it, it's too tall of a, uh, of a task, in my opinion. So I'm going to go the other way here. I, I know that may not be the popular pick. Uh, Brock Glenn, he looked pretty fearless when he came in against Florida. He didn't look like he was lost in the moment. Now, some will say that he threw the ball and he was supposed to run the ball. I think Alex Atkins actually commented on that, the offensive coordinator. But I know that that is not going to be a, uh, you know, in opinion that many believe. That's where I'm going to go with this. Brock Glenn should be the quarterback tomorrow night for FSU. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Hack, uh, first things first, how is Washington a 10-point underdog going on tonight against Oregon? They're a 10-point dog. 10-point dog. Wow. They beat them the first time. Yeah, I did not. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Oregon's a favorite because Oregon has been playing fantastic. I'm shocked it's 10. What a story Bo Nix is. Bo Nix couldn't functionally throw a ball downfield at times at Auburn. People wanted him out of there. And now he might win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Next week. It, what, what an amazing no. story. A lot of people think the highs, and I'm a Heisman voter, that it comes down to tonight's game. And, and uh, Jaden Daniels, who, of course, is not playing with 9-3 and three LSU, it's, it hadn't been a year in the Heisman where, like, one guy's just absolutely, completely separated himself from other years. So that'll be fascinating. Hey, uh, your thoughts on the, on the Florida State quarterback. Uh, I, I, I know you just walked in as, as I was saying it. It looks like Tate Rodemaker is – Far less than 100%. He's yet to be cleared. But he hasn't been working with the team. He's been doing individual drills. He needed all week to practice. The guy's got no experience or very little experience. So where I'm at right now, I think you go with the guy, an 18-year-old true freshman in Brock Glenn, who's at least practiced with the first team all week long. Truthfully, I think it might help Florida State with public opinion. If you beat Louisville in a conference championship game with your third-string quarterback making his first start ever, I think that might give him more, quote, street cred in that committee room than maybe Tate Rodemaker would even. But, you know, this is going to happen, and I'm surprised it isn't happening today. It's probably going to happen more after the game. Did they put Tate Rodemaker back in against Florida knowing that he was in la-la land? Yeah. That's a very weird scenario. Now all of a sudden we're hearing, well, it was Sunday morning Mm -hmm. he started showing symptoms. Well, wait a minute. So he showed symptoms Nine hours later, just happened to be able to finish a game that got you to 12-0 and a win over your rival. I wonder if some damage control is going to have to be done in Tallahassee. Eight years as the sideline reporter, I'm trying to think home or away if a guy ever was looked at in the blue tent and was in the concussion protocol 
cleared to return, but then we were told the next week that he was back in it. I can't think of one. Right. It, it does. It does sound like an interesting story right now, and I, I wonder if, in fact, this is the end of it. I, I don't know. I'm not, it, It's certainly, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, fair, it, it's a fair question. It is, and I think Mike Norvell is going to be asked about it again and again. Not by the local media, but I, I think some of the, you know, they won't. They're, they're too scared to ask that type of question. But I think the, you know, some national media, maybe some media out in Charlotte, especially after the game tomorrow night, if we see Rodemaker does not play, I think he's going to be doubled down on that question. And I think, you know, that's going to be a huge deal. But starting tonight and going really all day tomorrow, enjoy championship Friday night and Saturday. Next year, this week won't mean as much. All of these teams will be in next year, right? Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, you know, Florida State, all of these teams, Texas will be in. Now, seeding will be on the line. Mm-hmm. But with a 12-team playoff, they're all in comfortably. Not this year. This year, you're scratching, you're fighting, you're clawing. You have to win tomorrow. I'm going to really love a 12-team playoff, Rick, but there is something to be said about having to win championship weekend to get in, and that might not be the case beginning next year. So you think it's going to be week 17 in the NFL? I don't know if people are going to necessarily rest their starters, but I do think championship weekend with a 12-team playoff will be watered down a little bit based on what it is now. We'll see. I mean, again, uh, first-round buys could be on the line. Uh, better seating could be on the line. That, that's a long ways away, but at least we're getting uh, from 4 to 12. And in my conversation with Tim Brand a little bit earlier, I think we'd all love to see a 16-teamer. All right, what's coming up? Yeah, we'll talk a little Florida State football. Logan Robinson of Knoll Game Day. That's the Sports Illustrated website covering Florida State. He's going to join us. Also, former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley. We'll stop by to preview Monday Night Football, and we will keep you updated. Five local teams right now playing in the state Final Four for their respective classifications in high school football. We'll keep you updated on those scores as the night goes on. Hack, have a lot of fun. Uh, Enjoy it. Uh, Coming up here over the next couple hours, that's going to do it for us. I'm not with you on Monday because of Monday Night Football. May not be with you at all ever again if the 26-03 because of my comments towards the service industry uh get to my gm please don't call my gm please don't please don't please don't let me go (laughs) do whatever you want and that's fine with me thank you to tim brando thank you to dearness johnson thank you to the philly rooster thank you to jj lasalva folks have a fantastic weekend see you monday night at the bank